You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning. This is Bennett Kelly broadcasting live today from Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, I was out here working on the um, campaign, um, get out the vote and voter protection effort. Um, at least Hillary did win Nevada, but um, you're listening to this Cyber Law and Business Report. And uh, we're having a special post-election edition and returning to the, to the show is uh, our good friend Mike O'Neill, uh, a pollster with O'Neill Associates in, in Phoenix, or is it Tempe? Uh, Tempe, but if you're out of town, I usually say Phoenix because not everybody knows where Tempe is. And uh, so he's talking to us from Tempe, and he's been quite in demand today where people trying to get an understanding of what exactly happened yesterday and, and what it means. So um, let's just jump right in, Mike. What what happened? Oh, my God. I think we all need to end the shell shock before we figure that one. Uh, but So this is very top of mind. But if you look at what happened, well, first of all, uh, on the, on the ma- side of the mathematics, uh, as Obama did in 08, uh, one side swept all of the swing states. But right. Trump did more than that. He cut into the core by picking up Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and maybe Michigan. Uh, and and that was basically Hillary Clinton's blue wall. So that's the mathematics of it. But, of course, the deeper question is, why did that happen? Right. You know, I think there's got to be some post-analysis on this. But, uh, I mean, it's hard to ignore the fact that he appealed to some very, very deep levels of anger, some sense of loss. I had seen an earlier analysis a couple of months ago that suggested that uh, people's assumptions about how the Trump voters were lower, lower scale economic is, uh, at least at that time, was largely unfounded in the data that, in fact, the average Trump supporter has an income of 75000 a year, which is a little bit above average. But they also looked out into the future and they saw... Uh, basically a declining future if not for them then then for their children and he managed to encapsulate that by saying we're going to stop that and we're going to make it better now the fact that i mean i was stunned at the lack of specificity on that but at the same time it's pretty clear his voters didn't care about that he said he they were unhappy and they were expressing their concerns and their anger and uh you know, and, uh, you know, I look at what the, and he had some coattails. I mean, he took, uh, he, he took, uh, you know, he kept, kept the Senate, which was not expected. The re- Democratic gains in the House are way under expectations. Uh, uh, the, the, the only thing you can say on, on this is there will be clear uh, 
delineation of responsibility for what happens with our economy and everything else, our government is in Republican control. Period. Right. And 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 that's you know that itself is interesting because um, you know so a lot of people were um, citing to the the famous nineteen seventies movie The Candidate. And it's you know it's ending mm-hmm. line, you know where the candidate Robert Redford the candidate wins, and it's like what now? And or uh, yeah. uh, I'm mindful of President Kennedy's um, statement that you know we were surprised when we got to um, the White House and we found out that some of the things we were saying about the country were actually right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing I'd most look for now is who does he surround himself with? And and the ironic aspect of that, the names that you see, for a guy who promised a clean sweep and, and, you know, and change, big-time change, you know, you see Chris Christie, Newt Gingrich, uh, and and Giuliani, to me, are the, uh, you know, the epitome of the Republican establishment. Right. And more, no, I mean, even worse, the washed-up establishment. I mean, Gingrich yeah, is... Yeah, 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 you know, largely been, discredited. I mean, yeah, yeah it, it's not a new generation. That, that is not a new generation of Republicans. That's the 1980s version. Right. I mean, that is your father's old, Oldsmobile, to paraphrase yeah. the ad campaign. Now, let's go to kind of a more macro question, and, and one probably more sensitive to you, is um, did pollsters get it wrong? You know, Monumentally, this, okay, yeah, yeah. Why? Now, now, I mean, I mean, well, I mean, he was off. I mean, it looks like Although the Los Hillary Angeles Clinton. Times consistently had Trump leading in the yeah. tracking polls. So something you about know, that they got it right. You know, I, I will. I, on, on technical grounds, I still have a real. I mean, because I, I know about the innards that go into these polls, and and, and most partisans just l- look at the ones that give them the results that they want to see, and they like those polls, right. I absolutely believe that there was a there was a demonstrable flaw in the LA Times poll, notwithstanding the fact that it got the number right. I mean, you can you can make some serious mistakes, and as a result of that, still on a one time basis, you know, you can blindfold it, you can hit the bullseye. Yeah. Uh, so I I would I would I'd, I'd bet the farm that they don't replicate that if they use the same method. And we, if you want me to get in, it gets highly technical. We can, but, yeah, um, we can skip that. But I am curious but, about the but, value, but, value but, of your phone. They did hit it, <laughs> but I, I absolutely still don't believe it. But I can tell you that, you know, I've been saying that uh, I think there's a disaster looming in polling, but I will be honest to you, I didn't expect it so big, and I didn't expect it to be um, in such a monumental case as this. But there are some underlying problems for which there are no immediately evident fixes and the, the you know the dirty little secret in polling the hard part is that the proportion of people that we contact on the phone is has been dropping for 35 years that I've been doing this kind of work maybe the proportion in terms here's of the, the worst proportion part. of people you contact versus the number you speak to I'm I'm talking about if you if you start out with a thousand telephone numbers of people, the proportion that you are able to get has been going down and down and down for 35 years uh, by one or two percent a year. But multiply that times 35, and you can get an idea. We used to get 80 or 90 percent, now we're down to 10. Wow! And and, and then they have throw right. in the mobile phones. I mean, how many toy extent? Oh, you can fix the mo- You can deal with the mobile phone issue. But cell phones have been included in, in in good quality survey sampling for over fifteen years. Okay. Since they became appreciable, or actually, since non-landline households became appreciable, when people got cell phones, in addition, that wasn't an issue as long as they had a cell home phone that right. they used. But about 15 years ago, you started to have appreciable numbers of people who had cell phone only. That is the easy part. It, it's getting people to respond. And I will tell you that the track record of the polls in 2008 and 2012, notwithstanding that, was still rather astounding. Uh, you know, they basically got 49 out of 50 in 08, got 50 out of 50 in 2012. But the percentage responding has been going down and down. And instead of basing all our 
work on the laws of math, mathematics, all of a sudden our assurances come on, on not mathematics, but on the assertion that, well, this seems to have, this seems to continue to work. <laughs> and that's a shaky business, because when, when that's all you got, well, it seems to work until it doesn't. And right. that's where we are now. And I, 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 I do. Too. Anybody who tries to offer to you an absolute explanation of this at this point doesn't know what they're talking about because there's a whole boatload of data out there. And I guarantee you that our professional organizations are going to spend six months or a year dissecting this and and having a a kind of um, soul searching analysis, such as was last done in 1948. After that, the poll fiasco. Then, 1948, their conclusions were rather simple: don't stop polling in mid-October, which is what they did. Well, we pulled right up to the edge this time. The industry, I did, and there were lots of polls out there, and and you know the misses were were at a level where you, I mean, they were they were not cloud. I mean, basically, Hillary Clinton had about a three and a half to four point lead and it looks like she's going to end up winning by I don't know what maybe half a percent so they were off the total numbers were off by three or four percent but they were off consistently in a whole lot of states and in states that appeared to have a bunch of mm -hmm. uh, decent quality polls uh, so I mean the, the honest answer I think anybody who tries to give you a, well this is what the issue was Anybody who really tries to definitively answer that question right now is blowing smoke because okay. it's not like it's not like all of these concerns haven't been aired and discussed and many books uh, written, many conferences held on just all of the on, on, on a minutia of arcane topics like increasing response rates over the cell phone and things like that. Uh, I mean, I mean, people. Many, many people have spent their careers as methodologists dealing with this kind of stuff. And we're, we're obviously, uh, this, this you know, makes evident the career. I, the only I, I told you so uh, aspect, I will say, is I had a stump speech. I trucked all around town, and I had one slide where I said, folks, there is a disaster coming. There is going to be some monumental mistake. Possibly it'll be in the com a commercial side, a billion-dollar mistake, or electoral, where things are sooner or later. I absolutely guarantee you it's coming, but I can't tell you when. And it happened bigger and uh, sooner than I would have guessed. But uh, you know, the there... underpinnings of mathematics that used to underlie polling are diff increasingly difficult when fewer and fewer people respond. And. In California, and I guess it was also in Virginia too, or you had what was in California called the Bradley effect. That um, there, when Los Angeles Mayor Bradley we ran for governor yeah, yeah. twice and narrowly, narrowly lost both times, um, there was a belief that his opponent's polling was understated because people were did not want to say that they weren't voting for Bradley, the black guy. And uh, and so somehow they felt uh, reticent to say, no, I'm voting for, I guess it was Duke Majin who had beat him. And um, and then we saw that again when Governor Wilder became the first African-American governor in the country in Virginia. And I think to a lesser extent with Dinkins, uh, Mayor Dinkins in New York. Um, is there a, a, a Bradley effect with Trump? Were people reluctant yep. to say they were voting for Trump because he was so toxic? Well, you have correctly stated sort of all of the cases that people normally cite in that area. I, I'll tell you this. I've looked at a lot of the post-studies were done on that. I think even in the case of Bradley, the demonstration of that effect was at best inconclusive. It was huh. maybe, sort of maybe that was something like that going on. But those examples are now decades on. Yeah. Up until this possible point right now, there has been no replication of that in recent history. It did not show up for, in the most obvious case, Barack Obama, there was nothing like that going on. Now, uh, in the case of Trump, here's the, here's the thing that I, that, that's like too easy a thing to fall through. It, it's one of the theories that in a, in a subsequent analysis I would expect would be tested, but among the things I would point out were if people didn't want to admit that uh, 
they were voting for Trump to a live interviewer, then you should have seen dramatic differences in the results when you did online surveys, and we did not. Wow, that's true. So, so that's a theory that would explain to it, but explain what happened. But I'm not sure that it fits all of the data. Now, I will, I will caution and say. Uh, I'm not rejecting that as a theory, right. but I'm saying it's. I, I think it's going to be six months or a year, and there's a lot of. I guarantee you, our professional association is going to take a look at that, like they oh, did your, in 1948. Your next conference is going to be buzzing. Um, oh yeah, and, uh, I will say. But, that, but I, I just think we are a, a journalistic, you know, sort of throw out one. Well, this just meant that all the Trump people were unwilling to say so. Well, if that's true, then what is there different about this election from the last? hundred elections where there's been right. a lot of polling and you know all of a sudden why is something different now response rates are, are, are poor but they've been pretty poor for a long time they're getting worse every year right. but I mean I, I just I, I it falls a little short of a level where I'd be willing to embrace that as the answer no let me ask those you. are those are fair questions let me ask you this, and I, I gotta say, I was shocked by one number in particular. But what 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 are the poll numbers, exit poll numbers, saying to you about what happened? You know, what what exit polls do you think numbers in particular uh, are really salient in terms of understanding you know, what happened yesterday? Well, if you're talking specifically about exit polling, yeah. essentially there's a lot of data there that has to be released. What got released to media. I didn't see the exit poll numbers, you know, separate presented from other projections. But in terms of a reanalysis, I guarantee that the the exit poll data will be one of the things that we'll want to examine very carefully and compare the exit poll data to, for example, the actual data in the precincts where uh, the exit polls exit polls were conducted in a thousand precincts nationwide. They also have. Uh, the hard data on the actual vote in each one of those precincts. And I w one of the first things I think they'll do would be to compare those two. And right. see, is there any difference to people who are talking to the exit poll? And, you know, did the exit polls miss the way that the uh, pre-election polls did? Right. And after all, rem remember, we're not talking night and day here. We're talking about a movement of about 3% total. True, true. And, by the way, the average of polls, the average poll miss in the last uh, 10 or 15 elections was 2%. We're a little more than that. And there was one instance where it was off by 7%. That was 1980. Uh, but it, not too much was made about it because the polls predicted a Reagan victory, and Reagan did win, but he just won by a whole lot more than the polls had said. And all that really so means this is, is not the biggest miss. The shift happened. A big shift happened at the end, which everyone agrees is what happened. Right? Yep. And, and so that's that's... You know that's understandable. I think um, so. In in terms of one number that stuck out to me was the and I don't know um, I don't have the, the number in front of me at the moment, but um, was the differential between Hillary's vote and uh, Trump's vote among Hispanics, and um, that basically you had a Trump did better than Romney with Hispanics despite. His rhetoric on immigration and on other issues, which is which is astounding, and apparently it wasn't turnout. Turnout was up. I mean, uh, and by the way, Arizona was one of the big states for that. They registered one hundred and fifty thousand, and Arizona is also uh, probably the state where the Democrats had the biggest relative gains. Uh, Arizona in in 2012 went Republican by 10%. This year it looks like 3%. So the Democrats gained 7% while they were losing about 10% in the rest of the nation. So that's, that's a rather astounding difference. Um, yeah, it is. Um, so, but the, the story, actually, if you want to follow that line, is if you look at... Um, you know that this whole Rocky Mountain region, you know, Democrats did very well um, in terms of Nevada, Arizona. You know, mm -hmm. so they they are solidifying their position here. Um, but I also need to solidify a commercial break right now. So we'll be back after these messages. You're listening to Cyberlaw and Business Report only on Cranberry.fm. <laughs> 
Thank you. Stay tuned for more of Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Is your website hacked? Is your website displaying error messages or loading slowly? Even if there are no signs of malicious activity, your site may still be compromised. Websites, like cars, require regular maintenance to perform at their best and not leave you stranded. At Fjord, our website maintenance experts can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit FjordDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E Digital.com. Literature is taking over Miami streets. Between November 13th and the 20th, downtown Miami will transform into a full-week celebration of the literary arts. More than 500-plus authors are coming to share their new work at the 2016 Miami Book Fair. The Porch is open every evening, complete with a full schedule of live music and performances, a farmer's market and cafe, food trucks, craft beer, and more. For more information on the 33rd Miami Book Fair, November 13th to the 20th at Miami-Dade College's Wolfson Campus in downtown Miami, call 305-237-3258 or visit MiamiBookFair.com. Follow Miami Book Fair on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Miami Book Fair. Pick out some new favorite podcasts now at Cranberry.fm. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and, and Business back. Report. Um, here is Bennett Kelly. Kelly. Cyber Law and Business Report, and we're talking to Mike O'Neill of O'Neill Associates, um, one of the very highly respected uh, media um, and poll- polling firm, and he also has his own radio show. He's a regular on the airwaves in Phoenix. Mike, welcome back. Um we were talking about the differential for Hillary in the Hispanic vote, and uh, any any more you'd like to add on there, or are there any numbers you or another number you want to jump to? Well, you know that that brings up an interesting question about why, and you know the best speculation I've I've heard or comment is that that that, that some of that may have to do with pro life, and you know Hispanics tend to be Catholic, and yes. Uh, and 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 that would be. I would have thought that that would have been excuse the phrase, but trumped by immigration, particularly vis-a-vis Donald Trump. But I know the Republicans had held out uh, a great deal of hope for growth among Hispanic voters until Trump came along, which appeared to have killed it. And of course, uh, the overwhelming majority of uh, Hispanics did go Democratic, but not by the margin that uh, had been expected. And. Um, and, and I guess yeah. So maybe it, it is the the cultural. Um, there, you know, because Republicans always felt that they had a, a potential with a Hispanic vote um, because it's culturally they have made greater affinity to them because of the, you know the kind of more conservative Catholic views. Although a lot of the, there's a huge growth in in the evangelical community in the Hispanics, and uh, and that could also be a factor as well. But, but you know, and that's one of the more extraordinary things. One would not have thought that Donald Trump, given his personal history, would have ended up so owning the evangelical vote, but he did. Right. I mean, yeah, uh, um, a three times married um, person whose wife, obviously, there's nude photos out there as a model and, um, you know, very... Um, braggadocious uh, womanizer, um, yeah, yeah. He he had them in his pocket, and that's. I do know one evangelical who, you know, he, he found that to be just. Uh, you know, I, I understand. He's It was incomprehensible to him. Um, yeah, and but, he, but it doesn't little, seem to have affected. I, mean, I think it's also true. The evangelical vote is just culturally and economically hyper conservative and. One gets the the impression that it is those conservatives' view that end up dominating the uh, strictly religious moral aspect uh, in in actually selecting a vote. Now, um, it is an issue. If you that, that's one thing that strikes me is that um, 
And that people talk to John Boehner about how what did he say to voters at the end? Because I think he had problems with um, Trump, and he said Supreme Court, Supreme Court, Supreme Court. And for conservative voters, that's that's a big issue. Yep. And I, I and, think, it, but I'm still astounded that it worked. And given. I I I saw one number, and I'm not sure if it's correct, but. Sixty-three percent of the voters thought Trump was unqualified to be president, and yet, and yet, um, obviously, we, we've seen the result. You know, I think at some level, people, uh, you know, sort of believe, well, the government kind of runs itself, and I, I want the president to express my my gut sentiments and there's there may be a little bit of fatalism no president can really do that much anyway but the, this guy speaks in a way that resonates with me so let, let's talk a little bit about the historical context a, pre, a sitting president who has served the two terms has handed over power to uh, a successor from his own party only only a handful of times and even then, I mean, the last time it happened was with George H.W. Um, Bush. And arguably, he did it be, you know, not so much because of the strength of his own campaign, but because of the weaknesses of his opponents. Yep. I mean, I've yeah, seen... No, I mean, this was, a Republic, this was slated to be a Republican year. And I think throughout most of the fall, most Republicans were lamenting if we had any other candidate, we would we would be sailing to victory. Well... They did anyway. So let me ask you this. I mean, so it's now, um, you know, the body is slightly cold or barely cold, I guess. And uh, although the people, Trump supporters, would say, well, it's Hillary, it's always been cold. Um, recrimination time. Would, would Bernie Sanders have beaten Donald Trump? You know, that's, that's one of those what-if what games. That, that you could you could play, uh, you know. Uh, I think the the traditional anti Bernie Sanders would c- campaign would have been, oh, he's too left wing. Right. I, I think what this campaign show, I'm not sure that would have played this time, um, because uh, I think that uh, you know uh, Donald Trump clearly owned the mantle of change and Bernie Sanders could have uh, could have competed for that and probably won on that point that I represent more change than than Donald Trump does uh, Hillary Clinton obviously couldn't pull that one off but I think you know for so, example you look at the Trump's base of his you know the, the evangelicals and uh, and and also you know the angry white males um would they? I can't see them going to Bernie, and I think the the and we were talking offline um, with the producer about you know, the role of the media, and obviously Trump benefited from a lot of free media. They gave, you know they covered his his events live, and um, he was like also, he was like a train wreck. You know, you you're on the freeway and there's yeah. a wreck on the side. You had to look. You couldn't keep your eyes off him. It was and, great you know, TV. It, it was, I mean, if you had a choice between watching a Hillary speech and watching a Trump speech, you wanted to watch the Trump speech because you had no idea what he was going to say. Right. It was, you know, and, to, to merge two logos, it, it was WWE, MSNBC. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. Know, it, and, it, and it wasn't just that Fox did that. All the networks did it. He became, yeah. CNN he, he was a visual that you just couldn't, you just couldn't take your eyes off of. But at the same time, they didn't do it for Sanders. And and for Sanders, they also didn't give him scrutiny. So he got a pass. I mean, Sanders yeah. never did release his tax returns despite promising to do so. Sanders actually never got scrutinized. The, the one thing that really disturbed me about Sanders was, um, you know, seven years into the, the Sandinista regime in, in Nicaragua, you know, this openly communist regime in Nicaragua, when um, – after they imposed an emergency state of emergency where they, you know, jailed or dis- even worse, disappeared dissidents um, and, you know, restricted the, the freedom of the, the Catholic Church and, and journalists. And uh, um, 
you know, liberals and human rights groups were condemning the Sandinistas, and Bernie defended them. And, you know, which to me just showed this, you know, he may say he's a socialist, but, you know, that doctrinaire, you know, that kind of rigid ideological worldview of his is that maybe, he, you know, he is a Marxist. And I just couldn't see that. Um, I could just see the 30-second ads just hammering him. And, um, you know, it's all what if. I, I, I mean, I think, you know, we'll never really know because it all has to play out, you know. Uh, I mean, if I told you at the beginning of this year that somebody who groped women and didn't release their tax returns, paid zero taxes as near as we could tell, and ran through the whole list, you would have laughed and said that person has no chance of being elected. So, and none of that turned out to matter. So, uh, you know, what, the beauty of what if is you never get to test it. <laughs> been lost I, I'm not sure. Um, Mike, what we're talking about is uh, is the whole fact that what you just said, if I had been, if I told you this, this, and this, you would never believe me. But Donald Trump actually said that. Um, He said, I could take a gun out and shoot down Fifth Avenue and it would make a difference. And that might might have been only slight hyperbole. Um, (laughs) There were a long list of things that would have disqualified any other candidate. Uh, and by the way, the earlier comment about what well, could Bernie have picked up a lot of, you know, could he have picked up all of He wouldn't have picked up all of them, but I think he might have been able to pick up enough to change the outcome. He, he, I mean, the, this is the beauty of what if you can't test it. Right. But uh, yeah, no, the bulk of the Trump voters were not overlap with Bernie voters, but some of them, but, you know, there were some who didn't have particular ideological views, but were upset with the system, and I'm voting for the outsider as opposed to the establishment. So he got some. Some of his vote was that. So, in terms of you know continuing along, um, well, here's one issue that I just I'm puzzled about. Well, maybe not puzzled, but just more frustrated and, and appalled, and I'm wondering what happens next is you, you basically have had the Republican Party deciding the last eight years, not, we're just not going to rule. We will not be engaged in the ruling that the Democrats will have to do it all by themselves and that we will block them. And uh, and even worse, you know, and so we'll do everything we can to make the operation of government look like this is a complete um, you know, madhouse, whether it includes shutting it down over what was once a routine vote, the debt ceiling, and, and and the process bringing down public approval of, of the institution of Congress did that's record low. I think it was like eleven or eighteen percent. Um, and then guess what? The the public is going to blame the Democrats since they're the party they associate with government, and and they have the titular head of government as the president. And the, give it give it all to us. That was an incredible sleight of hand, and it was successful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They they basically decided no government doesn't work and and with, without making an acknowledgement of the fact that the reason it didn't work is that the Republicans set out to sabotage it. I do not think the Democrats should respond in kind. In fact, from what I've seen of Donald Trump, I think the way to deal with him is to kiss up to his ego. Uh, he's he's made some recent statements about investment, uh, you know, uh, uh, infrastructure investments. I think that Democrats should rush to support him on that. 
put, putting the Republican Party in a difficult position over the, over things like that. I think you you find areas where you can support him, and and you and you make a point of doing that. I think that's a very astute comment, um, and which is interesting because you know the pollsters were telling the Republicans after you know in January two thousand nine. That you need to reach out, you need to diversify, you need to bring in uh, this, you know, demographically changing electorate, and they said no, <laughs> and they won. Well, they're fighting, I think they're fighting a losing long-term value. Uh, right. You know, if you look at the demographic changes, the proportion of the white voters getting lower and lower. Millennials are, are democratic. There's a whole lot of bigger trends that. They're they're going to need some constituencies because their constituencies are shrinking. This may be a, historically at the end one big last hurrah. It was a big one, uh, oh, and in the instant it looks overwhelming. But if they don't broaden themselves at uh, some point, uh, uh, they will. They could still become extinct. Uh, no. The, the long term trends don't look good for them. And that's an interesting question because uh, I saw several analysts on last night. Um, some of them through the the lens of a a, a, a glass of beer. But um, is okay, Republican Party? You you won. Well, who, 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 but what Republican Party? I mean, what is what is the Republican Party today that that now rules the country? Is it, for example, the Republican traditional Republican Party, which is adamantly free trade? No. You know, I mean, the historical position of the parties was the Republicans were the primary advocates of free trade. Yeah. At some point along the way, Bill Clinton uh, went along with that, um, uh, you know, over the objection of probably half the Democratic Party. Um, you know, um, it's... Uh, uh, yeah, the, the the party of Donald Trump. There's a lot of Trump issues which are not really mainline Republican issues. But on no. the other hand, I mean, my biggest fear on this would be he doesn't feel strongly about most of this stuff. He wants the trappings of power, and he he sits down with uh, with Ryan and Ryan, you know, basically Ryan and his vice president teach him orthodoxy. You know, this is what you got to be for. This is what we're for, and. Um, and that, uh, well, the, the question is, does he go along with it? I think he does because I don't think he has strong ideological beliefs. Well, that's the thing. I mean, Trump has no natural allies. I mean, his opponents in the race are are sitting in um, in the Senate. Some of them, Rubio, Rand Paul, and uh, you know, they don't have didn't have a particularly high view of him. Um, and so there's, there's no one, you know, obviously Jeff Sessions, you know, who has suspected of having ties to the KKK, naturally he supports Trump, but you know, who's going to, who's going to carry the ball for him if he decides to buck the Republican party? Well, that's a very big if I, you know, I, I think it's more likely that a lot of these, a lot of the, in a lot of these areas, the Trump views evolve, and that he, he basically ends up being a more conventional Republican, um, because I don't think he feels strongly about a lot of that stuff. But, but that's one of the big questions, and I think you're going to see the answer to that very early when you look at the people he surrounds himself with, and if it's Gingrich and Christie, and. Uh, and Giuliani, that suggests, you know, as we said before, uh, you know, an old Republican Party. Heck, we can make uh, Christie can be Secretary of Transportation. What do you think? Billy <laughs> Bush so. for press secretary. Um, and, and the other thing is, it's you know, in Boston, you know, where what was it Mayor Curley was able to you know rule a reign from his prison cell. Christie could be Secretary of Transportation um, from a nearby federal prison. Now, what happens to the lawsuit over Trump University was supposed to go to trial later this year? I mean, I mean, all of this kind of stuff. Well, that's you know? the thing. Not only just that, but also I think the the rape allegation trial is going to happen this year. Yeah. And it, it's interesting because Republicans were very much for having, you know, these type of proceedings go forward when it was Paula Jones and others suing Bill Clinton. 
But you know, obviously their view of this may change now that you know, maybe their their president may be sitting. So, have you looked at all about twenty? Excuse me, twenty eighteen. Is that that will I imagine would be a, a, how would that be as terms of how, who has to defend the most Senate seats that year? Oh yeah, yeah, and it and it's very much aligned for the Republicans. You know, two years ago, I said the Democrats will take the Senate in 2016 and lose it in 2018. Uh, they're even in a tougher position right now because the class of 2018 is the class of 2012, and that was an Obama year. Right. So, it, I mean, the, the landscape does not look good in terms of who's up. And, and so, which which then makes, obviously, 2020 um, yep. vital and well, maybe yeah, not well, so much 2020, but 2018. Well, let's not write off 2018. If this is a disaster, you know, then all bets are off. But right. uh, you know, I, I mean, I, what I'm waiting to see is okay, uh, okay, go ahead, you know, bring all those factory jobs back to America. Do it. Yeah. I mean, you haven't said yeah. word one about how you're going to do it, but do it. You know. Yeah. And if he does it, then he gets reelected, and the Republicans rule for 20 years. I just. You know, I don't know what kind of magic alchemy is going to do that. I, I mean, right. personally, right. most of those jobs are, are – if anything comes back, it's automated anyway. So all the jobs that go with those with those industries basically are going to cease to exist. And I don't think there's any power – this is what neither of them was honest on. There's no power on earth that is going to reverse that kind of a trend, no matter who's president. So um, on that point, talk about winners and losers a little bit. Obviously, I would I would I would hardly expect that the TPP is dead. Yeah, yeah. Unless unless they can make some cosmetic changes to allow Trump to say that I made it into a better deal, but once you reopen that over anything, you're into years of negotiations. Right, and then if that's the case, also the tech community, which strongly backed Hillary Clinton and actually openly wrote a letter saying how um, we, we believe you are a danger to our growth. Um, they got to be really because you know, this important sec- sector of the economy has uh, you know, challenged a, a candidate who's known for being vengeful. Well, will Trump the president turn out to be more of a pragmatist, the most hopeful uh, thing would be, you know, as a businessman, he has had to be a pragmatist, and uh, maybe the president turns out to be some somewhat who, frankly, is quite different from the fellow who ran for the presidency. Uh, uh, politicians can get away with an awful lot of movement. Now, um, in your state, you had some interesting races. One, one of them was John McCain, who was able to eke yeah. out. A victory. Why, despite what looks like you know what could be uh, a tight race in Arizona presidentially, um, how? Why do you think uh, McCain won? I don't think Ann Kirkpatrick ever really made the decent case. Uh, I don't think she turned out to be a great campaigner, and we were in uh, uh, you know a, a Republican year basically, as it turned out. But she never really just captured any. She she never focused a single issue that really mattered. You know, it's a little bit of the old, you know, John McCain's gone to Washington, been there too long, but uh, that that just wasn't a winning operation. And another issue that happened nationwide, and you know, what people often look to uh, proposition voting as bellwethers, it was the um, cannabis proposition, which appeared to fail in your state. But that went down by four percent. There was a really big anti. On the other hand, we raised the minimum wage to twelve dollars an hour, and and we did that by a twenty vote margin. Interesting. Um, but in order to to pay for that minimum wage, we're going to have to have a commercial break. <laughs> so we'll be right back after these messages. We'll wrap up with Mike O'Neill after these messages. You're listening to Cyberlaw and Business Report only on Cranberry.fm. Stay tuned for more of the Cyberlaw and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Are you paying too much for your paid advertising? Or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? Studies show that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average. 
the web marketing experts at wmetraining.com can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the web marketing experts at wmetraining.com. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white-label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Where affiliated marketing gets its buzz and mobile has its presence. Cranberry Radio, online anytime at cranberry.fm. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Here is Bennett Kelly. And we're back and we're talking to Mike O'Neill. Mike, we only have a few minutes left. Um, but I'd like to kind of just in closing, um, if you want to have any uh, pointers or you know, winners and losers you'd like to pick that maybe others haven't, and then tell us uh, a little bit about your show and how people can find you. Sure. Uh, well, let me answer the last first. Uh, Mike O'Neill, M-I-K-E-O-N-E-I-L.org uh, is a website that has pretty much as a gateway to anything else. The radio show in Phoenix is 92.3, runs at 5 p.m. Uh, for an hour on Sunday, replays at 9 p.m. And uh, we do public affairs and uh, cover a lot of the same ground that we've covered here, among other things. And uh, what, was the, what was the, oh, anything that astounded? Well, obviously, this was a shocker. Uh, in terms of the polling industry, this will be the biggest reassessment we've ever had. And the hard part is that, I, I mean, I think we know what, a lot of non-response issues and things like that, but there's no easy fix to that. Uh, uh, this is this is certainly a crisis for the industry, even though, let's, let's face it, I mean, it, it, in terms of predicting elections, you know, 3 or 4% off is significant. It's more than you'd like to see. But a lot of polling is done to understand what, what motivates people and what, what concerns they have and things like that. And being off 3 or 4% is not going to affect your ability to do that. If you want to know what people think and why they think it, there's really no substitute for asking for them, which is at the essence what polling's about. Now, politically... Republicans own the world right now. They're going. The, the, that's the good news for them. The bad news for them is they're going to own it. Uh, right. If if Trump can can bring back a mass of jobs to the United States and and create a vibrant economy where everybody gets good paying jobs, then uh, then the Republicans are going to own politics in this country. But if that falls on his face badly, there will be no diffusion of responsibility whatsoever. It will be with the Republican Party, which now has a face, and that face is Donald Trump. And the very insightful. I mean, because if you, Republicans have been anti-government, and they've shown um, that you know the government doesn't work, and they and when they've governed, they've shown that to be the case. You know, we look at the the ruins left by the Bush administration, and I'm very fearful for um, what leads ahead for the the Trump administration. But, Mike, I want to thank you very much, um, as always. And uh, so definitely be sure to check out uh, um, Mike on his radio show. He's very insightful on matters, and um, and especially coming from a pollster, he he comes at it from a different perspective, and that's very helpful. Um, As for everyone else, uh, I think it's... uh, it's a troubling day, and I guess, Mike, when, how what do you how do you address the divisions? How do you, what do how do how does Trump get people back? You know, uh, we've seen it's a, it's a small matter, but it was an appropriate one. Last night and this morning, there were three very superb, very appropriately toned speeches by Donald Trump, by Hillary Clinton, and by Barack Obama. And they all said exactly what they have to say, which is we have a president. As a country, we have to wish him well, and we have to ensure a smooth transition of power. Uh, and you lower your voices, and uh, you know 
mostly from here on out, that's going to be Donald Trump. But there's there's no reason why he has to raise his voice anymore. He's won, uh, right. and now you have to you have to look and see what he what he's what he's going to do for Democrats. I could there's some of these things you could fuck up. I'd I'd go out right now and I would wave the flag and say, yeah, you're right. This uh, this uh, infrastructure program is something we support you on 100. percent Let's do it. Right. And watch exactly. the Republicans squirm. <laughs> That's true. And Is let him okay? take credit for it. If he wants it, you know, if, if he's doing the right thing, support him and let him take the credit. There's an old saying about, and partly the reason why Bobby Kennedy and, and LBJ hate each other, hate each other, was Bobby had um, was sent down to LBJ to offer him the vice presidency, fully expecting Johnson to say no. <laughs> and, and Johnson said yes, and then he had to they tried to talk him out of it, so... Um, any event, um, I want to thank you again, and this has been a special edition of Cyberlong Business Report. Um, we'll be back next week with another edition right here, and we'll be broadcasting live then from our usual place in Santa Monica. Check us out at the Internet Law Center, and um, check us out on the web at cyberlawradio.wordpress.com and uh, on Twitter at uh, at cyberlawradio. Mike, thanks again, and uh, America. Um, you voted, and now we'll, let's make the best of it. Um, this is Bennett Kelly. Have a great week. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.